Welcome to episode 19 here on Captives of Truth. I'm your host, Jonathan Olivares, and I know it has been a while since you've heard from me. It has been about 8 to 10 weeks since I have made a episode since our last uh, episode on the marks of a healthy church. And I do apologize for the delay. Uh, your servant has been caught up in a lot of ministerial uh, work and um, two children and a family that is loving to take care with uh, for. And so um, I thank you for your constant prayer and your constant support of these uh, podcasts, these episodes. And you got to forgive me if I am unable to uh, fulfill um, a full-time role on the podcast, which I really desire to do this part-time uh, whenever the Lord gives me the opportunity to. But nevertheless, here we are again on uh, Captives of Truth, and this is episode 19. And for many of you who've been waiting for a continuation of our series on the marks of a healthy church, um, here it is. Here's the continuation. Um, we started off on the uh, first episode, or at least the first part of the series, uh, which is uh, some sort of what we get from the article uh, found in Bel in the Belgic Confession, Article 29, that is, which uh, leads us to believe that in a healthy church, to spot a healthy church, it's important to identify that there are faithful ministers who preach orthodoxy, who preach uh, on the objective word of God, which, of course, um, is important for a body of Christ to live as the very body that Jesus had uh, saved and died for. Now, what is the importance of the church? The church is the living organism in which the Lord um, instituted himself when he was here on the earth. As he was about to ascend, he, he talks to his apostle uh, Peter or his disciple Peter, and he says, do you love me? And he goes on a conversation with Peter on this um, and repeats the question. Um, and Peter, of course, with his shame, um, at the end of it breaks down and says, Lord, you know all things, you know what's in my heart. And really, uh, Jesus was trying to get him to feed his sheep uh, faithfully, accordingly to what the Lord Jesus had um, previously had taught them, according to what he had previously taught them. And so the importance of the church is really to expand the kingdom of God in the sense that the gospel is moving and continually freeing and continually delivering men from their sins. And that such great beautiful news has entered the lives of these men and thus the Lord Jesus Christ uh, appoints them to spread it. And so we got these 11 focused in Jerusalem and then you got the Apostle Paul and others who are called to move out to the Gentiles even with the Apostle Peter. So uh, the church is a very important um, entity, if you will, or body is a better word, to truly represent who Christ is. Christ being the head of the church and those who are saved are the members of that church. But nowadays it's become so difficult to identify what a true church is, what a healthy church should look like, what it should be like, because it seems throughout history the church has sort of created its own traditional um, way of walking and journeying and um, everyone has their own polity, their own um, way of running things. And so we really don't have the objective view of what the church should be because in every street we have a church, denominational differences, congregational differences, certain beliefs that we come across and sort of when we talk about the Christian church, we sort of cannot give a actual certain um, definition of what that may be. And so, of course, all of us will be pointing to the scripture. And so we could either interpret the scripture accordingly to what it states, or we will look at the scripture and sort of uh, bring into the scripture what we think um, it means or sort of interpret it according to what we feel is right. And I think that can be very dangerous. Um, it will lead um to a misrepresentation of who Jesus Christ is. And so this series, I felt um, pushed um, and led of the Lord to create the series or uh, speak about this topic because it's important. You know, I know that there's a lot of you who attend churches and you love your ministers, you love your family in Christ there, and yet you also pray that the will of the Lord would fall down in the church. And maybe you're in a church that is 
perfect in the sense that it's following scripture, it's obeying God's commands. Or you might be in a church where it is totally contrary to what scripture is talking about. So let me just uh, make clear that what I just stated there a few moments ago. A church that truly follows the scripture according to what it's teaching the church to walk like, be like, live like, is a church that truly is a great representation of Christ. A church that misrepresents scripture and does not teach scripture is a church that brings reproach on the name of Christ. And so it's important that you find yourself in a church that is healthy, that is following the scripture, that is solely interpreting it the way that scripture should be interpreted and is and is walking accordingly to the commandments of Jesus Christ. Remember this, the church is not made for people to join so that they can feel good about themselves, that they've joined a club of people with like-mindedness and a common a commonality of beliefs and values. Um, although that is what the church might be, the grander scheme of things, the church is built to glorify Christ. And so that is our aim, not just to have commonality, not just to have the same mindset with other people, and not just to say that we are part of a body of people who accept us for who we are. Um, really, if that's all that the church is, then really we are no different than the clubs out on the out on, in the world, like um, the chess club or the sports club or the uh, poetry club or whatever clubs there are in the world. There's no distinction or difference between us. But the major difference that the church has over all of these clubs in the world is that the church glorifies Christ. It exalts Christ. And it's a reflection of Jesus Christ. And so that's why we need to recover the objective mission of the healthy church for this has been so clouded over um, the last couple of years um, and so now our young people who are growing up, they have no idea of what they should look for in a church. It's because they don't even know where to go in scripture. They don't know how the scripture is to be interpreted. And um, this is where we're sort of headed in, um, in the f first segment um, of having a uh, pastor or shepherds or leaders who teach orthodoxy in the last episode. If you have not listened to it, I encourage you uh, to go listen to that episode. I emphasize the importance of having leaders who truly teach orthodoxy for God will use them to teach your uh, the members or the body of Christ to follow in proper alignment uh, uh, the will of God. And so um, that only is the way uh, the church is going to understand and be able to discern. But at the same time, as we will emphasize here in episode um, 19, on the second mark that I think is important to recognize in a healthy church, is that also the members have to be Bereans. They need to understand that all things are found in Scripture and that in Scripture we need to test. We need to test whether our minister is teaching right. We need to test whether leadership is walking right. We need to make sure that we are not just following the emotional uh, roller coaster or the um, uh, sort of tradition that everyone's been following under. We want to ensure that we are in the right place. You know what? The danger is when we do not challenge or we do not search ourselves what the marks of a healthy church should be, the greatest challenge there is that we become um, like the Pope. We become no different than the Roman Catholic Church that has elders and leadership and the leadership is the or the Pope is the only one that you listen to and no one has the right to search and, and seek the truth. And thus now what do we have? We have just a, an authority that is higher than scripture and uh, this is where we start getting into a difficult and terrible view of who Christ really is. And, and sorry for the rant, but that is exactly why it is important to mark down what a healthy church is like. So last week, we learned that the healthy church begins with a faithful minister, a faithful shepherd, one who teaches the scripture and raises the scripture to be the sole authority of the faith, the sole authority of the Christian the sole authority of the church. So in that way, the church is no longer looking at the pastor as authority. Uh, they're not looking at the pastor as the exalted one, but they're looking at the scripture as the basis of authority and the pastor is merely just the vessel that God uses to teach from the authoritative scripture. 
make sense? And so I hope that um, uh, that has gotten clear to us uh, from episode um, uh, 18. And so today, um, we are emphasizing the same thing. Of course, finding the marks of a healthy church does not necessarily mean you're going to find a perfect church. And because of that, is the reason is because it is a body full of people who are still in the flesh. And what I mean by that is that we are still um, encompassed, encased is the better word, in this body of flesh. And although we are saved from our old nature, our sins, we are still men and women who are prone to failure. And so you'll never find a local congregation that is perfect, that is full of um, righteousness and completion in the sense that no one is failing God, no one um, is lacking in any area. Um, sure enough, you will see a lot of flaws in a body of believers. And that's why um, there is no one good, no one perfect other than our God, our Lord, our Savior. Um, so this segment or this series doesn't necessarily mean that you are identifying a perfect church. Although you'll never find that perfect church, not until the second coming where Christ glorifies his church, the Bible does identify characteristics to help the believers uh, recognize the true church, okay? Because we know that not all church, uh, not all churches are church uh, churches, um, and apparently I don't grammar today, right? <laughs> um, not all churches out there are true churches, and not and just like as it says in scripture, not all believers are believers, right? And um, there are professing believers, and there are true believers, um, and so. Again, the purpose of the series is not to get you to find the perfect church because you'll never find one, but find the church that has these characteristics. That's the whole point of that. And so number one, we learned about orthodoxy in leadership and orthodoxy will lead to a better doxology, a praising, a worshiping of God. So now, just in conjunction with a leadership that is in orthodoxy and teaches orthodoxy, this will then lead into the, what we will be talking about today, which is discipleship. Another mark of a healthy church is discipleship. A church that practices a proper or has a proper system of discipleship is a church that is healthy. Why is that? Well, listen, discipleship produces so many things. Discipleship produces faithful followers as that is the ultimate goal of discipleship is to produce faithful followers, faithful Christians who are seeking to glorify God. At the end of the day, the Lord Jesus Christ instituted the church to glorify himself by the means of believers who would come by faith. And so a church that practices proper discipleship will result in faithful followers of Christ who are looking to constantly obey God. And it is through discipleship that we've found the church to even uh, be made possible. It is through discipleship. It is when Jesus walked on the earth for three and a half years, discipling those fishermen and others along with him, that at the, at the commission of Matthew 28, it is these fishermen that he now appoints to be apostles to build his church. And so there would be no church if there would be no discipleship. It all begins there. And so if you got a leadership who is in orthodoxy and teaching orthodoxy, um, and, and listen, the concept of discipleship, um, really it varies to where, where it's going to go. If you have a bad leader who has no orthodoxy, he's going to create disciples who are just like him. Now, if you have a leader who is in orthodoxy, who doesn't hold back on the truth and teaches on truth, then he will have disciples who will also follow in truth. So discipleship is a reality that we constantly do. We just don't realize it. It, it doesn't even have to be in a church setting. Um, in business, right? We make a, we have disciples. We have um, sort of um, successors or people that we sort of mentor. Um, and 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 they want we want to make them as our own replicas, or we want to replicate uh, ourselves, or imitate um, and uh, have them mimic us uh, of what they see. And so um, even in parenting, right? What you, the parent does, the children do. So we don't notice that we actually disciple people. But now in the context of the church, we have to do this properly 
Because again, if we took the points that I mentioned from the beginning, if the church's purpose is to reflect Christ and to glorify Christ, then the church must have a proper means of discipleship to be the actual church. And let me make this strong statement. A church that does not practice proper discipleship is not a church. And listen, you will see there are many churches out there that have a system of discipleship and they're so aggressive and they're, they're doing all sorts of things to get people connected and people in the church. But listen, notice how I mentioned the word proper discipleship. You can have a great system that may lead people to the building or to the body of believers, but may not be full of quality at the end of the day. And so really we sort of just implement the business mindset, but we don't actually have the proper means of discipleship the way that Christ did when he was walking and leading his church. And so that's why it's important to understand what is discipleship? What is the biblical means of discipleship? And how does the church follow in line with that? And so um, you would be amazed at how many uh, you know, ministers that I have come across speaking with and this is even myself uh, a few years ago, where we had no idea that this is the way of discipleship, not until we had a mentor who sort of guided us through the process of how to make disciples. Um, and so you'll be amazed at how many ministers don't even know. And it's not because they don't want to, it's just because they don't know. And that's, that's an off, uh, a common mistake and a common error um, out of ignorance. Um, or there are people who are in a system of discipleship, but it's not just script, it's not biblical, it's not scriptural, and it's not really leading toward a proper mimicking of who Jesus Christ is. So anyway, it's important that we identify that the church that we are in or are looking for is a church that practices proper discipleship. How emphasized is this in that church? How important is discipleship in that local body? Is this church truly focused on the quality of building followers of Christ, or is it just looking for people to come in through the doors? You see, that's where the um, opinions come in of what, what discipleship works, because there is a pragmatic discipleship that, hey, this is how we get people in. We give them what they want, and if they like, if they like us, you know, I heard one pastor say to me, you know, I have a lot of young people, and my young people are doing all these activities to get other young people in. And so do you really want people to come into that church because of the, the luring or the bait uh, of being in a group or being in a, uh, people, uh, a group of people that sort of relate with them? Um, no, we, we are trying to build disciples out of broken people who come to faith in the common mind that Jesus is Lord. And, and not just to save them in that sense, but to bring them to perfect obedience to Christ Jesus. And so um, it's important that we identify those things. Now, let me read to you Acts chapter 2. And I think this is a perfect basis to which we should look at as believers when it comes to um, how, the, how the church in Acts or in the, in the church of the apostolic era um, uh, was looked at or was described to be. Now, we know that Acts is an historical book. It's not to be looked at as some sort of um, prescription that we need to, everything that happened in Acts has to happen today. It's historical in the sense that Luke is writing this book to describe to us what happened in that time. Not so much for us to read into the text and assume that everything we see here is, is going to be us. Um, in our modern day. So you'll get my point in just a short moment. Now, let me read Acts 2.42 here real quick. It says, And they devoted themselves, the church, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Okay? This is after Pentecost, or this is after uh, the Spirit outpour, right? And we see how the church sort of forms itself. So Jesus comes down, teaches his disciples, he disciples them, and then he commissions them to make disciples in Matthew 28. And now here's the result. He calls apostles to lay the foundation of the church. And now they, being the church, devote themselves to the apostles' teaching. That relays ourselves to episode 18, where we were learning about faithful ministers who teach orthodoxy. 
It was because of these apostles who faithfully taught what Jesus taught that these people of the church were able to devote themselves to the apostles' teaching. And that's important. Your people are going to devote themselves. And it's going to depend on what is it that the pastors are teaching. If they are teaching orthodoxy, then now we are learning in this episode that discipleship, the process of it, has to move forward in the sense that these members have to devote to the teachings of the de- the apostles or the um, scriptures in this era, we, we would say. Um, so we are now, sh- uh, should be looking forward to that our people are devoting toward uh, themselves toward the teaching of scripture, okay? And so, not only that, but and the fellowship. So the gathering of the saints, the building up of one another, the functionality of the body of Christ. Um, and then to the, uh, to, the, to the sacrament, the breaking of bread and prayers or the practicing of what the Lord had told them to uh, observe. And so um, they devoted themselves in verse 43, and awe came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And verse 43 is misinterpreted at the fact that uh, many wonders and signs have to be done now in the church in order for it to be authentic or in order for it to be authoritative. Well, notice how it says through the apostles. And so the sole purpose of the apostles was to uh, build the church and uh, authenticate it by the means of wonders and signs. And so verse 43 is a description of what happened that in that day. And so verse 44, And all who believed were together and had all things in common. You see, discipleship leads to a commonality where all who believed were gathered together and had all things in common. Now, that does not mean that they had things in common in the sense that, oh, they all liked eating chicken, or they all loved the color blue, or they all, uh, you know, liked wearing jeans, or whatever that might be. That's not what it means here. The commonality is referring to their unity in Christ, okay? Their unity in the faith, their unity in their devotion to the teachings of the apostles. Now, verse 45 And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had a need. So they showed their love for each other and uh, they had neglected their own selves to be selfless, to help others. And so they are also catering to the needs of those who are needy. And verse 46, And day by day attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Notice in verse 47, God or the Lord added to their number day by day. So whenever you see a newbie coming into the congregation, it is the Lord who adds them. And the significance is that proper devotion and this is why I'm reading it, if you were just to summarize 42 to 47, proper devotion to the scripture will lead to disciples who glorify God by the means of understanding fellowship, understanding the practices of prayer and breaking of the bread, understand that they must have one thing in common, which is Christ, and that they will be selfless and will become people who are thinking of others. And then because of this healthy a description of the church, the Lord glorifies himself by adding more to the body um, as many more will be saved. And so that's, um, again, though it's not a didactic, it is a description of example of what the church should be like, right? We hope that when we look into our own body, we see people who devote themselves to the scripture, And that there are people who fellowship. And even the word fellowship is subjective because some people think fellowship is just when people meet together in one place and play or have games and whatever. No, the fellowship is the communing of the body of believers by which they take the opportunity to build themselves up. And so you see that the fellowship is comprised by the breaking of bread and prayers. And then they acted together in helping others who had needs and whatever. And so you see, the Lord adds people there, his elect there, his sheep there, because of the fact that these people were devoting themselves to ultimately the scripture, the teachings of Christ. And so 
Um, it's perfect. Jesus did a great job by discipling his disciples, who then became apostles, who then now are leading other men and women to Christ. And we are um, but a result of that. We are evidence of proper discipleship that happened thousands of years ago in the apostolic era. And so we are just continuing this great work that was left before our eyes in the book of Acts. And so this is what Paul says to the Corinthian church, remember, that, um, that I am laying a foundation here and that we are building upon the foundation and men will be judged upon the foundation or the material of which they used to build that foundation. And so um, at the day of judgment, we are going to be seen, how did we build the body of Christ? How did we continue it? And so discipleship is that means by which the church should find itself uh, committing itself to. Um, and, 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 and listen, Matthew 28, when it says, go and make disciples, Jesus says, all authority has been given unto me uh, under heaven and earth. Go and make disciples. He didn't say go and make um, church attendees or go and make consumers, people who will look pretty and sit in there nicely. Go and make disciples. And a disciple is what? a follower, a learner, one who follows the lead of his teacher. And so if I'm called a disciple, then I'm a disciple who learns, who is looking to be taught. And I was talking to a gentleman the other day, and he said to me, Pastor, I don't think I'm ready for discipleship. And I said, why is that? He said to me, well, because I don't know a scripture enough, you know, or I don't, I don't know the Bible as much as I would like to. And I said to him, you know what? Um, are you, I asked him a few more questions. I said, do you mind if I ask you questions? He says, yeah. I said to him, uh, are you saved? Yeah. Do you believe Jesus is your Lord? Yeah. Yeah. Um, have you forsaken the sins that you were bound to prior to? Yeah, I accept all of that. Well, I said to him, brother, the scripture tells us that in Antioch, the Christians were called, or the disciples were called uh, Christians right? So in other words, you can't duck the calling of a disciple. You can't even say that I'm not ready for discipleship because all Christians are disciples. So you get my point. When Jesus says, go and make disciples, go convert them, teach them the good news, and they immediately are disciples who should be hungry and thirsty to learn more and to be taught more of my goodness. And so making disciples and here's the big error today. People have the consumer mentality that, hey, as much as I can bring new people into my church, that's the making disciples. That's not what that is. Because now you're just bringing a bunch of people in that we don't even know if they're saved or not, and that we're counting each number as disciples. No, uh, the evidence is clear that a disciple is one who is not just saved, but is through his salvation, is led up to a life that is ever glorifying to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so, yeah, I'm not saying that these members need to be perfect before they enter the church, but in a system of proper discipleship, it should lead to people who come in, not just as a number, a quant uh, we could say quantity, but based on quality. It is people who have a personal, intimate hunger and thirst relationship with Christ Jesus. And so that is that is quite important. And so when Jesus says, go and make disciples, he's really saying, go out and um, bring people closer and closer to me by the means of the gospel. And, and that's it. Um, and so it is the sole duty of the body of Christ to make disciples. Again, if it's a church that does not make disciples, it cannot be called a church. It is a personal, intimate ministry. When we disciple men and women, it is by which the Lord uses it as a means to personally and intimately get into the lives of men and women in which all believers are to engage themselves in. Notice, discipleship isn't just for ministers or pastors. It's for everyone that becomes a disciple. Once you are discipled, you then are now the discipler, and then you will now be leading others to Christ. Believe it or not, it's as simple as 
um, sitting down at the local Tim Hortons and sitting down with a brother and catching up on life and maybe the brother might have an issue and you are now helping that brother, encouraging him through the word of God. That's discipleship. Or whether it's family matters where the husband sees that the wife is weak and you are encouraging your wife, that's discipleship. Training up your children, that's discipleship. And so it should, it's never always in the in the setting of being in a building and you're always looking uh, to uh, hold a seminary in front of men and women. That's not always the case. Discipleship is the means by which God uses you to build the personal the person up in the Lord. And so every believer should be um, encouraged to engage themselves in discipleship. And so again, a church that emphasizes proper discipleship, you will see that their members or the body of believers there are so focused on ensuring the building up of the church. And again, don't sleep on that because if a church is not focused on the building up of the church in discipleship, then its reflection of Christ is not seen. And that's where it brings great reproach. Yeah, we're a church, but we're not so focused on building each other up. Yeah, we're a church, but we don't really, you know, care about the quality. And, and, and no one's going to say that, of course. But when you look around and you discern the fruit and see what's going on, you don't see any of those uh, replications that you see in Scripture. And so um, that's a no-no, right? And so making disciples um, will, uh, will, will proceed in growth. And let me say this, a church that does not engage in discipleship will not grow. It will never grow and is in questioning of its authenticity. If you don't practice discipleship, how do you grow as a church? Why even be a church if um, you're not going to desire to replicate in the will of the Lord Jesus Christ? Then now your building or your um, structure and meeting as what you call quote-unquote a church is questioned, whether if it's really the Lord's church or is it just some sort of club we made right? Now, let me point out a few points of what and why discipleship is important. Now, number one, discipleship is important because it will result in a body of believers who understand their part and function in Christ's body. How many people have you spoken to that know their role in um, discipleship? And I apologize because my child there is crying um, and uh, we hope that she stops crying so you don't uh, uh, <laughs> hear her anymore. But uh, there you go. She has her little um, uh, part to my podcast here. Um, but how many people have you spoken to in your church um, Do you uh, that know what their function is and their part is as a believer in that body? Um, I'm not even talking about ministerial um grand call of oh i'm 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 called to be a worship uh, member or a person who ushers or a person who is a deacon or whatever i'm not even talking about that i'm talking about the general purpose of the church of a believer being a part of a body how many people do you know know that do you know do you know your part do you know your function in christ's body again if you don't know and you've been in a church for about a year, two years, three years, five years, ten years, and you have no hot clue of your part in it, all I know, pastor, is that I just come there every Sunday. Well, that's where we have improper um, systems in place because you need to know your part. You need to know your function. And listen, proper discipleship will result in believers understanding their part and function. They will know how to build each other up. They will know how to cater to everyone's needs. They will know to focus on one's, every person's spiritual needs and, uh, and encouragement and exhortations, as Paul says, by the building up of the church. Hebrews 10.24 tells us that we should not neglect the fact that when we gather, we gather for the purpose of meeting and seeing each other in, in, in glorifying the Lord. So it will result in understanding its function. Um, and and you can you can test the spirits. You can look at different churches, and you can see how is the system of discipleship. You don't even need to read a list of how they do their discipleship. 
you can already see it by the fruit of the church. If the body of believers are not focused on its purpose of glorifying Christ by the means of the authority of Scripture, then the discipleship isn't going well. It doesn't even matter how many people are there. But if no one is glorifying Christ, we have an issue. And so if we know our part and function in Christ's body by the means of a proper system of discipleship, then it will result also to my next point, further involvement in the church. Um, when, when there is a proper system of discipleship, the individuals will know how to further involve themselves in the body of Christ. Um, and then, yeah, I, pastor, hey, I'm led here to pray for my brother and sister. I'm led to encourage this uh, group of people. I'm led to, um, to lead these group of people. And God be praised if that's the result. We need to seek to have discipleship done in our churches so that our members would not just be seat warmers, but people who get involved in the ministry. And I've met so many people who are afraid in the leadership, who are afraid to disciple because they are afraid that they will be replaced. That is the wrong mentality. Thank God if you're replaced. Thank God if you are outdone by someone else who has a call in the ministry and God is using them. And so we should never, uh, ever uh, restrain ourselves from making more disciples because you would like uh, to see your brother or sister um, also be like Christ and uh, to live up their lives in perfect obedience to the Lord Jesus Christ. And so would you not want to see them flourish and um, find their true call and purpose in the Lord Jesus Christ? And so we have so many places where you got members who've been there for 10 years, 15 years, and have no hot clue of what they should be doing. And so, again, a healthy church is what you see in John 15, where Jesus is the vine and we are but the branches, and those who bear fruit, he purges and bear more fruit. And so you want to see that in your church. People who are bearing fruit, not in the sense of how many people they can bring, but how much quality and obedience are they laying down on the table of offering to the Lord where they are obedient in Christ. And so third, it will result in relationship building of loving one another. How many times do you enter a place and you feel so awkward and uncomfortable to be there? And how ironic it is that you even hear that some people don't want to enter churches because of the fact that it's so uncomfortable. Um, last week, someone told me, you know, Pastor, can you um, encourage my daughters to come uh, because uh, the youth at this particular church is not um, welcoming hate? And I, I said to him, you know what? If you're welcoming, if you're trying to get me to bring your daughters to the church because they are not comfortable with the youth, uh, first of all, it's the wrong, wrong motive. Second of all, if I may help in uh, your daughters um, being more comfortable, it should not be because uh, people are relatable to them, but more so because people are welcoming, welcoming them in as people who stand hand in hand for the gospel's sake. And so um, anyway, there are so many times where there's discomfort and awkwardness in a place of believers, ironically, uh, because they have no idea um, how they should show love toward each other, how they should truly um, uh, get themselves involved in showing proper love for one another. And so um, it, it really brings reproach on the name of Christ because John says that God is love. And he also says that if you don't love your neighbor or brother, then you are not of God. You are not his because God is love, right? So um, the church needs to learn how to do that. How many times are young people snob off each other, people that they don't like or people that looked at them wrong? Well, listen, the church is not there uh, to be like a school. It's to be there to show perfect harmony in Christ. And since Christ is the glue that sticks us all together, um, we should learn how to love. And discipleship will teach your people how to build relationship. John 13, 35, he says, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples. If you have love for one another, how do you love? Read 1 Corinthians 13 and you'll realize that love is there and that's what discipleship will lead you. You'll walk into a church. If you're looking for one, you'll see a healthy church. Ministers are teaching orthodoxy, proper discipleship in place. 
a result of believers who love the Lord with carefulness and treat each other with respect, building each other up in the knowledge of Christ and His love, it will result in the further maturing of these believers. And so you will see love in the air, not love that says, oh, we're all loving each other and we're all silly-goosey and we all tolerate our sin. No, love that confronts sin, love that is holy, love that is pure and reflects Christ and how to build each other up. Uh, the love that will take sinners in and will spend time with sinners and allow them to grow just like the Lord Jesus did. And so um, it is by that means um, Jesus was recognized as the one who came for the lost. And so the same way the church should act, not like as Pharisees or Sadducees, but if properly discipled, they will act in love, okay? Now, it will lead them to mature as well. We know that Paul says that um, to the Corinthian church, uh, that the Corinthian church was going through division and, and shallow arguments, and they were breaking up each other because of certain points where they felt they were right in certain aspects and topics and issues and whatnot. And Paul says, hey, I can't teach you heavy things because you guys are still babies. You're infants. You're in the flesh. And so Paul's saying, um, I would love to bring you solid food, but I can't. So anyway, discipleship will lead to the furthering of the believer's maturity. You don't want to see these members always be babies, right? You want them to grow up as adults and one day also be teaching others. This is um, the, the author of Hebrews in chapter 5 says, um, well, you know what? You guys should be teaching already, but no, you guys are still immature. So anyway, the, the result that you should see in a church is you want to see growth. Now, not necessarily in the sense where you are looking at other people and waiting for them to grow, but for yourself. Are you in a church that you are being discipled and you are seeing your growth there? Are you seeing your spiritual maturity? Are you seeing your biblical respect going up higher and higher and your humility toward Christ going higher, uh, going there higher and higher and your respect of Him? Then yeah, that's the place to be at, right? It's a discipleship that leads to further maturity and also to exercise your gift because as you mature in Christ, you also mature in exercising your spiritual gifts. And believe it or not, yeah, you are given gifts to be useful in the ministry. And so not everyone has the same gift, but um, when, whenever you find those gifts, you will be utilized for the building of the body of Christ. Uh, let me read to you Romans 12, verse 4. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. Okay, we realize that. Could you imagine everyone having the same function? It would all be World War III. But no, every member has a different purpose and function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. Okay, he makes an example of prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness, and it just goes on and on. Matter of fact, in verse 9 all the way through, it's true marks of the Christian. So if you want to learn how to be a disciple, a right one who follows in obedience to Christ, verse 19 all the way to 21, it teaches you what a true mark of a Christian is. Huh, maybe that's another series that we should go on. I don't know, let me know. Should we do a series, Marks of a True Christian? Uh, but here, Marks of a True Church. I think if we understand a true church, you'll realize who are the true Christians, right? Anyway, um, but now we get into the part of Romans where Paul is teaching orthopraxy. You're not just knowing orthodoxy. You're living out orthodoxy. So um, a true church that practices proper discipleship is not dead faith. James talks about dead faith all the time, right? Um, it's not dead orthodoxy. It's truth that comes alive. It's truth that is living. It's an organism. It's not a dead place. You actually see they live truth and not just talk about it. They live in it. Um, and you see everyone there with a good example of who Christ is. Um, and so at least you hope for to see that going and growing in the body of Christ. Um, and so that's that. Now, it also results in what we call further discipling. So 
if there's discipleship in the body, you will see that the people who are being discipled will one day also disciple others. This is what we call evangelism. This is what we call sharing the good news. This is what we call sharing the gospel. This is what we call the extension of the, uh, or the extending of the kingdom of God when it comes to the gospel. And so you hope that you don't see the same people over and over and over again, right? Now, I understand maybe one month will show you some grace, two months, three months. But if you have been years and years and you've seen that there's no addition to the body of Christ and it's been the same, same people for years now, I think there's an issue. I think it's because people aren't being discipled well. And I think the members there who are so devoted to the church have not been trained well to make disciples of all men. And so I, that's, that's pretty scary. I, I know of a, uh, of a believer that um, they had mentioned, you know, Pastor, uh, we only had one family in our church. How, okay, how long have you been with this family? Oh, you know, for quite some time now, a few years. Wow, and there's no addition. No. Well, what do you think the problem is? I don't know, Pastor. And that's my point. A place that doesn't know how to grow in Christ is not a place that is healthy. And so um, this is why even leadership need education on proper um, grounds of, of teaching and leading and discipling because they may not know. And it's, again, an honest mistake. But it's not a healthy place to be because you hope that being the church of Christ you grow in more disciples. Even if you have one or two people that you can train in discipleship and they grow together, they will spread. One person can make more damage um, than no people, right? So um, my point is, is that proper discipleship found in a healthy church will lead to more discipling. It's a domino effect. It's a replication. Matter of fact, in 2 Corinthians 12, Paul says in verse 15, for we are the aroma of Christ. Before that, I think in verse 13, it says that Christ, he is the one who's leading our procession, right? And we as the church are the aroma, the sweet fragrance of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. And so the, the church of Christ is that sweet smell that moves along the way, that is a reflection of Christ and this is an aroma toward the perishing and to those who are being saved. It is to one a fragrance from death to death and to the other a fragrance from life to life. The church is a living organism that spreads the gospel and changes lives. Listen, whether they are people who uh, reject the gospel, the gospel will always change lives, uh, regardless if they accept it or they reject it. The gospel will always change lives and individuals will never be the same after hearing the gospel. In what way? Well, this passage says from death to death, if they reject their life and status of life will furthermore to death. And one who accepts is one who will be changed from life to more life. And so um, he then says, who is sufficient for these things? And we are the ones called for that. And so a church is a sweet fragrance, a sweet aroma, a sweet reflection of who Christ is. And so this is why in this episode, I want to focus, I focused on discipleship, a healthy church, a healthy characteristic that should be found in the church is a proper replication of who Christ is. If you see that from your ministries, your elders and your shepherds, then it should also go down to those who are followers of Christ, and they will also be devoted to the teachings of their ministers in Scripture, and they will also learn how to be built, have, have personal engagement with the church, how to get involved. They will learn how to have their own functions and their own parts to be uh, fulfilled in that body of believers. They will learn to build up one another and create relationships with each other, not being an awkward church, but a loving church in its love for the Word of God. And so they will also grow in maturity, exercising one another's gifts by the means of exhortation or whatever it is the Lord has given and bestowed his grace upon. And thus we, at the end of the day, remember on the day of judgment, he's going to take his church and we will be that great church, a sweet fragrance before God who is glorifying the Lord in their obedience to Christ. That is who God's coming for. And that's why this whole series is so important. We need to know. 
what is the characteristics of a healthy church? Now, beloved, at the end of this program, as I come to a close, ask yourselves a question. Are you in a healthy church? If you're a part of a church and you love that church, what can you do to get them to consider these marks of a healthy church? If you're looking for a church, you're not in a specific local congregation, what should you be looking for? Well, I hope by these two episodes in this series, you would come to consider that and realize that there is a proper system that boils down from the top, the head, Christ, and the church must be like him. For he showed us what discipleship is all about. It's to be like him. It's to be holy. It's to be just. It's to be faithful. And so I hope that this episode has been of help. You know, my great passion wholeheartedly as I speak through this microphone is to have at least convinced you to look into the scripture and get you to consider how important it is to truly be the church especially in this dark time that we live in where things are getting even worse. How does the church live up to be the church when when the church is under heavy attack? And so I hope you pray and you look into the scriptures and that through God's grace, he shows you that church you must be in. Again, this is Pastor Jonathan Olivares thanking you for the time that you have taken to listen to this entire episode. I've silent for eight to 10 weeks and giving you a 50-minute podcast. Wow, praise God. Well, brothers and sisters, I thank you for giving the time to listen in. And I hope this strengthened you and helped you in your ministry. In your own lives as believers, if you have any questions, please feel free to reach out to me at www.captivesoftruth.org. Contact us there or um, on Instagram and Facebook. Follow us at Captives of Truth. I am going to be giving a, uh, doing a giveaway quite soon. And so please feel free to follow and I'll be li- uh, posting there the instructions needed uh, to enter the giveaway. It's um, a systematic theology book um, and also a shirt that states Captives of Truth. So uh, look uh, and follow closely to that. And I hope uh, that the Lord Jesus Christ uh, be the center of your heart as you grow for love Uh, toward him more and more as each day goes by. Again, this is Pastor John thanking you and wishing all the best for you. God bless.